Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. This morning we're in chapter 1 of Mark. And I apologize if you read Mark 1 through 3 because you, because that's where I was headed, but uh, we added some more. So, so some of it might be a little new. Mark chapter 1, 1 through 8. It says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths for Him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. You may be seated. And you can children, yeah, all you children, you can church. I'm not sure what that means. But Veronica reminded me. <laughs> All you children can run, right, Veronica? That's what we want, children who run. Stop at the end of the, stop at the door. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would end badly, huh? <laughs> well, good morning. Yeah, that's right. And if, you run, if you've got too much energy, you can just go around in that circle. It's a good Baptist circle. If you've been to a Baptist church, you know there's all kinds of additions, right? And things go. That's the way it works. So are you excited about Christmas? Anybody getting excited? Lauren, are you excited about Christmas? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she did. Are you excited? Did you, do you have all your stuff up? Do you have your Christmas tree up? Not yet. Not yet. Me neither. He's going to get it done though, right? Yeah, he'll get it done. It'll be okay. Yeah. Anybody else excited about Christmas? Are you uh, anybody excited and ready to go? We don't have anything. Martha, you have all your stuff up? Nice. Nice. <laughs> well, we don't have anything. So, we've been we're talking about it. I, we have this discussion, you know, deciding what do we have to have to have Christmas? What why is it that we celebrate Christmas is one of the other uh, parts of that question. Why are we celebrating Christmas? That's right, the birth of the Messiah. Does that mean we have to have a Christmas tree? No, probably looks nicer in our front window. Do we have to have Christmas lights on our house? I would love to have Christmas. I'm a little bit jealous. There's uh, some neighbors, and they must have. They must have. I can pick on them because they're not in here. The Hubbles. If you go down Town Line Road, you can check out the Hubbles. They got. They did a. A bang-up job, and they're in teaching little kids so that I can pick on them and they're not here. Uh, they did a bang-up job. Their house looks really sharp. 
I went by on uh, this week and I was like, wow, that looks good. I'm slightly jealous. They would be happy, yeah, yeah. And there are others. That's not the only one. Dave Bemis has got uh, his nativity out. There's a bunch of people that have their nativity out. Um, so I, I just need to be uh, completely honest. We've been talking a lot about Christmas, not because Amy and I have been talking about Christmas, but because Lumina and I have been talking about Christmas. Um, now, this is Lumina yesterday, uh, two hours making gingerbread houses and eating them. Uh, she says, I like sweets. So we have been talking. It has ramped up. Now, she's getting a little older so she can do the phone thing all by herself. She calls us without even talking to mom. Um, and so it comes like it's been the last three or four days. And, and the first thing she says, Papa, you, Papa, Christmas is taking forever. And, and so, it is so, so long, she says, because one so wouldn't be enough, right? It is so, so long, Papa. Christmas is going to take forever. And then, and of course, and then we have to talk about what we want for Christmas, right? She wants a new kitchen. So this child loves to cook fake food for you, and, um, and she, loves, uh, she loves to host things, and she enjoys that. And so... She spends a lot of time uh, talking about, and she loves her sweets and food, and, and so we've been talking a lot. Of, and then she, So she asked me last week, she said, Papa, what do you want for Christmas? And we asked Brooks, who's three months old. He didn't answer. He didn't do a very good job telling us what he wanted for Christmas. So she said, Papa, what do you want for Christmas? And I said, Lumina, you know what I want for Christmas? I want a Christmas card that you make, a handmade Christmas card. That would make my Christmas. And so this week, as we're, we were, she said, Papa, I'm going to take you out on the porch, because her porch is, she's like, it lives on the fourth floor uh, of this humongous apartment complex, and she's on the ground out there were paintings. Um, this one is for you, and this one's for Grandma, and I think one was for Kate, or somebody else got a third, there was a third one, uh, of important cards that need to be finished, right? And so I, I, I've spent... Uh, this Christmas has been way more fun because she's like really interactive and excited about what, what's going on for Christmas. And, and just she's old enough to know that there are going to be presents and it's going to be powerful and exciting. And oh man, I can't wait to see what I'm going to get and uh, how many presents will I get. And uh, it's been pretty fun talking to her a lot about, about Christmas. And I see Christmas in a different way when you have a, uh, a young child who just has that magic and mystique, ready to celebrate the Christmas that is, uh, that is in front of her. Now, we won't be there in Christmas. Of course, they, you know, my kids, they're all like, why don't you just come down for Christmas? And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll just leave you guys. And <laughs> so we're going down in February for our birthday, which is almost like we'll have second Christmas. So we'll have Christmas and then second Christmas in February. Uh, but it's been really fun. And, so I, and, and it got me thinking about, am I prepared for Christmas? Are you prepared to celebrate Christmas? Are you prepared? Have you prepared yourself? Or are you in the humdrum of the same thing over and over and over? For a lot of years, I despised Christmas. Not, not Christmas itself, not the idea of the celebration, but the... the uh, the world's idea of Christmas, 
that I needed to have a hundred presents and that it and it there was just that that piece of like materialism really really bothered me for a lot of years and I would I pushed against that in my younger years I used to be a little ornerier and I pushed against that I, I really didn't like Christmas for the reasons that they just gave us the wrong the wrong uh, impression about what made Christmas important and and over the years uh, I've I've softened and I've I, I know uh, if you've been to those family events and you know sometimes we have family events that are no longer right grandmas and grandpas my grandfather's uh, Christmas Eve celebration is no longer because they're not here anymore and so that's so that has softened my heart and challenged me to, to really look a little bit different about how do I prepare for Christmas and what makes Christmas so important and why do I enjoy Christmas and what's, what's exciting and what, what do I, and, and stopping long enough to think about what it is that makes Christmas Christmas. We look at this, uh, this scripture in Mark and it, a very astute uh, response on Wednesday night as we were talking about this passage was this. This doesn't sound like the Christmas story. Absolutely, you're right. I, lo I love that response, right? This doesn't sound like the Christmas story. There's no manger in this story. There's no wise men in this story. There's no, they were further on anyway, right? But there's no, there's no, uh, there's no census in this story. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And then Mark goes on and says, looking backwards to the prophecy that was in Isaiah. Mark was talking about the, the, uh, the prophecy that was in, uh, he, I, I, didn't, I wrote it down, he, uh, Malachi, Malachi 3.1. This is Mark saying, listen, there has been a long time coming, this Savior this Messiah. Remember last week we talked about 400 silent years. There had been this chunk of time where there was no, we heard about a Messiah, but we didn't have a Messiah. When that happens, that's something to celebrate. So much so, half of this passage talks about who? John the Baptist, right? This guy who came along, and what was he doing? Preparing the way, making straight the way, the path. He, he came to say, listen, the Savior is coming. I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He prepared the way. Make paths, make his path straight. He was preparing the way for those who would hear the gospel. He was getting ready to celebrate. Are you getting ready to celebrate? Or are you going to just go through the motions of what we do, what we do every year, year after year after year? When will we step back and recognize that each and every moment of our life is special? 
That God has prepared those things in our life. And all too often we just roll through the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Mark is telling us in in his gospel, listen, something's happening and it's exciting. This doesn't happen every day. Get ready. Prepare yourselves to celebrate Jesus. Prepare yourself. All too often, I think we just roll through these holidays. We roll through birthdays and all of a sudden, holy smokes, it's been 10 years. My kids aren't little anymore. I'm an adult. Wait a minute, I'm getting old. And I didn't even realize it. Yesterday morning we had a I had a great experience. Uh, I got a call at six thirty in the morning. I was I woke up, fell asleep, got woke up, and I got a call from a cousin of mine in New York and said, Hey, uh, my uncle had hit a deer, but he couldn't find it. My uncle's 75, and I think that's where I got the genetics to want to hunt every day. I mean, of every day of the every day of the every day of every day. And they could they couldn't find a deer, so they didn't find the deer. And he's like, "Hey, we're going to go look for the deer. Don't don't know if we're going to find it." We get up there and uh, we start looking, and there's just not much evidence that he hit the deer barely. Um, so we start looking for this deer, and we just start doing the, what they call a grid search. We just start walking through, like, all right, let's walk through this piece, and then let's walk through this piece, and let's walk through this piece. And there's five of us, and, and my, uncle, my uncle's not a spring chicken, and he's had heart issues this year. And so it's even a, just amazing that he's out there. And so one, as we're walking through the second pass, my, my other uncle, his brother, says, hey, I found it. And my, my older uncle, 75, Starts hooping and hollering. Now, if you know my mom's side of the family, you'd completely understand that um, the redneck in them, it's, it's, it runs strong. <laughs> uh, some of the things you hear come out of my mouth, you'll understand. That's why you understand why. He starts, he starts hooping and hollering. And all these guys, are all, we're all hooping and hollering, excited that we found this deer. And my uncle starts to cry. But he's wailing, wailing. He's like, and, and he's crying. And my cousin says, well, I guess he was going to cry whether we found it or we didn't. So <laughs> he might as well cry over the, but we found it, right? And he, he was just so moved by the situation. All hope was lost in his mind. He's like, he said, I thought there was like 1% chance we'd find this deer. And we found it. Talk about a celebration. It took us about a half, probably about an hour and a half to get that deer from the neighbor's property, drug to back to the property, and then drug out. Probably about a, probably about a mile total. And, and, and in all of that was a celebration. The celebration of this was awesome. My, I, I call him uh, the legend. Um, 
I, I made that joke up for uh, that name for him as a because he continues to hunt. I call him the legend. I said, and I said the legend strikes again, right? The legend got a deer, and and we enjoyed that so. And on the way home uh, from New York yesterday morning, it was one of those like, it was a good celebration, uh, but there were tears and like you know what? I told one of my cousins. I said, you know, I can't promise that this won't be the last one. This might be his last deer. And so we wanted to soak that in. And, I, and I, I soaked that in all afternoon yesterday. Just like, yeah, that was awesome. It was awesome to celebrate. It was, it was, there were some tears involved. Uh, he, was, he was so excited. I was excited. Everyone was excited. And, then, and we enjoyed that moment to celebrate. And I thought, if I can celebrate like that over a deer, I sure as heck can celebrate over my Savior. Am I willing to celebrate over the Savior of my life? John, he came and he said, repent, get ready. Get ready, the Savior is coming. Prepare yourself. I'll ask you this morning, has God put something on your heart that you need to get rid of this morning? Is there something in your life that's in the way of you celebrating the Savior? Is there someone who's in the way of you celebrating the Savior? Is there something, something of this world, some uh, trial, trouble, struggle that's in the way of you celebrating the Savior who's coming? If there is, I'm asking you this morning to begin to think about what that is. And ask yourself this question, am I willing to give that up that I might celebrate with a clean heart this Christmas? That I might enjoy Christmas, the Savior coming to earth just a little more. It may be sin, but it may not be sin. In, 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 it may just be something that you've allowed to be in the way. It's something uh, that's bothering you or something that has taken your mind off of the most important thing in the world. The Savior of the world coming. If there's that thing in your mind, keep it there. I want you to hold on to that for a few minutes. The second thing Jesus says, or uh, that Mark says in this gospel about John, standing, he stands in the gap. I don't, know, I don't know if you noticed that. He says, after me comes one that's way more powerful. I'm, I'm going to come and tell you that you need some repentance, but I'm not the one who's going to give it to you. I'm not the one who has all the answers, but I know the guy who does. And guess what? He's right behind me. He's coming. Are you this morning willing to stand in the gap? I think all too often in our Christian faith, we think, I got to be the rock star. I, if God doesn't give me the special uh, d uh, divine intervention, if God doesn't give me this one thing that no one else has, that do you realize how God uses people who are just perfectly normal and regular? 
in some very supernatural ways. John the Baptist was saying exactly that. Who am I? I'm just a guy. And, and of course, I think they, they add the, the pieces of, he wore camel's hair and a leather belt, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He was a regular old uh, uh, Jeremiah Johnson of the day, right? He was kind of a, that kind of guy. He was just like, he might have been related to me. Huh? He says, listen, it's not me. Don't look at me. I'll baptize you and teach you. I'll, I'll tell you you need to repent, but repent to Jesus. All too often, we, we want to be something more than we are. And then when we're not there, we struggle. We're like, what? No, he just wants regular people. In fact, this is my, this is my best attempt at making no stars. I couldn't figure out how to get the line across there, so that's what you get. God doesn't need stars. We don't need people to be a star. He wants you to be uh, who he has created you to be and use those. Right? It says in, uh, in Scripture, in Matthew, uh, let your light shine before others that they might see the good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Use your gifts. What gifts has God given you? Maybe you don't know about those gifts. Maybe you haven't uh, thought much about the gifts he's given you. Maybe you think, my gifts are not nearly as good as someone else's gifts. I can't even play an instrument. I can't even play a kazoo. Right? I'm not eloquent. I don't know how to lead. There's lots of excuses. Lots of excuses as to why we don't let God work in our lives. Let me challenge you to use your gifts. Figure out what your gifts are. I'd love to spend time and energy with you figuring out what your gifts are. I despise people who just make excuses as why they can't or they won't. Don't make excuses. John the Baptist would have had a great reason to say, he's like, who am I? Right? Who am I in this world? He's, he used what he had. He used, he used the tools he had. And he didn't make excuses. Let me encourage you. He, he deferred. He pointed towards God. He's like, Jesus, this is the guy you want. This is the guy you'll want to, to uh, that's the guy. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let me challenge you. If God has given you gifts, use those gifts. Don't waste another year. Don't waste another week. Don't waste the time. Prepare yourself. Because none of us know how long we have. None of us know uh, when God may return. None of us know when that might be the last conversation we have with an unbeliever. And I don't know about you, but that should change the script. That should change the way I talk. That should change the way I respond. 
Because if I believe that Jesus coming to this earth is the most important thing in my life, I sure as heck should be able to share that. And if it's not, then I have to step back and ask myself, is that really the most important thing in my life? Does that direct my paths? John the Baptist then talks about his heart or your heart. And he says, listen, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with the water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He will come into your life. If you don't understand what that means, I want to share that with you this morning. I want to encourage you. We have an opportunity. We're born as, we, we sin very quickly in our life. And that separates us from God. And we need something to make us right with God. The scripture says that if we ask Jesus into our heart, if we ask him to come and be a part of our life, not about how much money I put in an offering plate or how, much, how many hours I give to community service or, or how much money I gave to some organization. It has nothing to do with any of those things. Nothing. Those are an outpouring of the things that have already been changed. Don't get them mixed up. If we ask Jesus to come and be a part of our life, to come into our life, to change who we are, to come and make a difference, that's salvation. That's what, that's what John is talking about here. He said, listen, I can, if, if you think that you got baptized in that baptismal or in the lake or anywhere else and that that water was somehow magical, you've missed it. The obedience part was magical. Obeying God and following Him in that step was the power. The water isn't magical. It doesn't magically make you right with God. One thing makes you right with God. Understanding that you're a sinner, that you have sinned, that you've fallen short. Not because Dan says so, but because the Scriptures say so. Falling short. That's what makes us believers in Christ, understanding that we've missed it. And there's only one way to solve the problem. And that's through the blood of Jesus. I don't know if you ever saw this verse, but I want to share this with you. Luke chapter 15, it says, I tell you, there, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When you come to Christ... The angels cheer you on. They're probably way more excited than we get. That's the important part. We talk about broken hearts. And I, I try to find these pictures of broken, cracked hearts and repaired hearts because I, I, I think that it's impossible for us not to go through life and have our hearts broken in some way, shape, or form. 
And I think that's the power of Jesus. When he comes, he fixes those broken spots in our life. He mends them back together. He patches our brokenness. It's why we need him in the first place. We wouldn't need him otherwise if we could do this on our own. We wouldn't need him. The fact of the matter is we cannot do it on our own. I appreciated Dale's testimony of the girls being in India and people flooding the altar. There's something to be said about flooding the altar. And I'd love to say that Dale's testimony was just a coincidence, but I don't believe it was. I believe in this Western world we got an attitude and pride, and it gets in the way of who we are. We think, well, if I were to go in front of the church and go to the altar and pray, holy smoke, someone will think there's something wrong with me. Someone might ask me what's up. Someone might think that my world isn't perfect. And all too often, we're afraid. We're afraid to be real and honest with people. That we have burdens and that we're struggling. We're afraid to lay at God's feet. We're more concerned about what other people will think than what our Savior God would think. You know, every once in a while, you got to play an audible. You know what an audible is? That's when the plan was supposed to be here, but we go here. Right? And so I'm playing an audible this morning on the praise team for one reason. I, I, I cannot tell you why. I don't, I don't know all the details, but this morning it was impressed upon my heart that it's not fair that the praise team have to play music every time at the end of service. And I'm not saying you guys don't play music when we go out, but I set up a, uh, I set up a video that was impressed upon my heart this morning. And I want to offer the altar for those who are struggling, including the praise team, and I want to offer the altar for those who need to lay their burden down. That prayer at the beginning was, was for a reason. Because I believe that God has impressed upon me that we need to celebrate this Christmas. And there may be things that we need to lay at the altar to celebrate Christmas like no other. So I'm going to ask uh, uh, Miranda to play that video and I'm going to I want you to listen to the words and if God impresses on your heart the ability I'd love to pray with you myself but I don't have to that's not what I'm asking you if there's something on your heart that needs to be laid at the altar lay it at the altar and then if the praise team wants to come up uh, at the end of that and 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 uh, play us out um, after the benediction I, I would appreciate that but I don't want I don't want doesn't have to be that way please play that 